Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for October 29th, 2018. And we have a nine-game slate to talk about. Some huge injury news because we have Anthony Davis questionable. Giannis Antetokounmpo is questionable. Uh, I hope you guys had a good weekend. Uh, one thing that was just on my mind that I found to be a little annoying about the beginning of the basketball season so far from a DFS standpoint is on my favorite things to play in basketball DFS, really any uh, of the DFS. I like to play the 150 max tournaments. Personally, I like to play 150 lineups in like the 4 to $10 uh, GPPs. And they've been paying out super top heavy this year. And I don't like the top heavy payouts. Like I don't, I don't enjoy playing the tournaments where it's like a $400,000 prize pool and $100,000 to first place. It's 25% of the prize pool goes to first. I just find that on a day-to-day basis, it's really hard to turn an ROI in something like that as opposed to something that pays out like 10% of the total prize pool in the first place. Uh, so like opening night, because it was opening night, I put like a, I put the 150 lineups into the FanDuel and DraftKings opening night tournaments. But since then, I haven't played quite as many tournament lineups as I usually would just because of how top heavy, every, top heavy everything is. So my preference, and maybe I'm alone in this, maybe the reason that they've become top heavy is because that is what people prefer, uh, but not for me. I don't know. I, I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Do you prefer top heavy payouts or do you prefer to be more flat and to be like something like 10, 15% of the prize pool at first? Uh, I just, I, I really do think that that's better for player retention. I think that it's easier to turn an ROI. And the other thing also is it's it's not even to say that over time I wouldn't do as well in the tournament that pays out 25% to first place. It just takes a really long time to realize that return because you basically need to have like a top one or top two finish in a GPP over the course of the season. That could take like a couple months or so to actually realize that I did get a little lucky on opening night because I had a fourth place in the Fanduel, whatever it was $4 and 44 cent tournament. But still, I would really like if they went back to the flatter payout structure that we've seen in previous years. So if, if you guys agree with me, maybe that's something that we could vocalize on Twitter or something like that. Uh, but getting into the basketball slate for Monday night, We've got the nine games. The first game is the Atlanta Hawks at the Philadelphia 76ers. And this game is just going to be GPP only for me. It's the largest spread on the slate right now at 11 points. Uh, well, actually, two games at 11 points. But still stands tied for the highest point spread on the slate. So from the Hawks side, nobody that I really love. Uh, one thing that I do think could be an interesting potential source of values if Dwayne Dedman gets moved into the starting lineup. He missed the start of the season, but he's been healthy for the last two games. Uh, had a really big game his last time out. He's only priced at 4700 And last year when we saw him move into the starting lineup, he was somebody who was priced in like the mid-5,000 range. So if he starts, there's a little bit of value on him. If he comes off the bench, I think there's probably a good chance we could just do better for value on this slate, especially if we have Giannis and or Davis ruled out. Like There's just going to be so many value plays that we, we don't really have to reach for somebody like uh, Deadman. Uh, but he would be somebody if he starts and if we don't get those injuries that he would make a little bit more sense. From the Sixer side of the game, yeah, I think Ben Davis, uh, ben, David, ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I think that both of them are fine for GPPs. But once again, no for cash game just because the point spread is wide enough. I think this is a fairly likely blowout and there's not really a ton of guys that would want to run back 
a stack with with the Sixers guys. So not not like priority plays for me. Like you could use them as one-off in GPPs, but they're not guys who I'm going crazy to roster for Monday night. Uh, next game, the Portland Trailblazers at the Indiana Pacers. Uh, this game should be more competitive. 219-point total. Uh, Damian Lillard priced up to 9400 That's a little bit too expensive for me. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu is at 4500 I think that he is a solid play. And then we've got CJ McCollum at $6,000. i will bring up his pricing from last year. Like I remember him being in the kind of like low 7000 range. Yeah, low 7000 high 6000 range for a lot of the year. So at 6000 I think there's upside to McCollum. There's some uh, definite pricing value there. I prefer him to Lillard for their prices for this slate. Uh, Nurkic at 6,400. No thanks. Really, mostly it's uh, McCollum and Aminu, who I both think are fine for GPPs, fine for cash games. From the Pacer side, the Blazers have been a pretty decent defensive team over the last couple of seasons. They've actually been uh, pretty solid since they acquired Nurkic. Uh, so from the Pacer side, I've been pretty high on Oladipo the last couple of games. But for this matchup and the price now gone up a little bit, eighty six hundred. I'm not going to be on Oladipo in this spot. We have the Deuce Thaddeus Young at forty six hundred. He hasn't had like monster DFS performances. Probably a better cash game than GPP play. But if you look at the minutes, thirty three, thirty one, thirty four, pretty consistently getting that kind of playing time. Uh, last year he was somebody who priced like high five thousand, low six thousand range. So I don't think there's a ton of GPP upside in Young, but for cash games at 4,600, I think he's a pretty safe play to plug in. Uh, next game here, not usually a safe cash game team. The Sacramento Kings, whose rotation just been a total nightmare this year. They're all over the place. Other than De'Aaron Fox, the one guy who could pretty consistently rely on for minutes, he's at 6,600. I think he's a really solid play. If we look at his box score, we need about 33 fantasy points for him to hit 5x value. He's done that in five of six games this year. He's been as high as 46 fantasy points. So Fox, I think, is fine for GPP. I think he's fine for cash games. Uh, Then we've got, like, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein, Marvin Bagley, Nemanja Bielitsa. We've seen all these guys with big games on occasion, but not really guys that I want to force into my player pool because of how inconsistent the minutes have been. Uh, Buddy Heald at 5,500. I think that he is my... Other Kings guy that I would look at for GPPs just because we have seen him put up a couple big games in a row. Maybe Jaeger will keep riding him, but I don't totally buy into that. So I'll say that Fox, good for GPPs and cash games. Buddy Heald, just GPP for me. Uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, I think he's going to be really popular. or Not really popular, but somewhat popular after the really big game that he had in Sacramento's last game. Uh, probably the best game I'll have all season. I'm not going to chase those fantasy points tomorrow. I'll fade him and hope that he doesn't go off and have a big game at whatever, like 15 to 20% ownership that he ends up being. From the Heat side of the game, uh, Kelly Olenek is at 4,900. He has started the last couple of games. As long as he continues to start, I think that he's a good play. If he comes off the bench, then just eliminate Olenek from your player pool because the last couple of games... 30 minutes, 29 minutes, and put up 35 and 26 fantasy points. But the three games before that, when he came off the bench, 15 minutes in each of them. So Olenek, I think strong GPP and cash game play, but only if he's in the starting lineup. The next game here, the Brooklyn Nets at the New York Knicks. Uh, I think that the spread is a little off in this game. The Knicks are favored by two points. I think that the Nets are a fair amount better than the Knicks. Uh, I am 
going to place a bet on the Nets plus two as soon as I finish recording this. From the Nets side of the game, we have uh, Karis LeVert at 6,400. He's been solid. D'Angelo Russell at 6,500. He's been pretty solid. And then we have Jared Allen, who's priced all the way down to 5,400, despite some pretty solid play this year. He scored at least 26 fantasy points in five of the six games. Uh, He's been over 30 in three of them. So 5,400 in a plus match against the Knicks, I think it's a little bit too cheap. Uh, Just something else to keep an eye on from the Nets point is Rondé Hollis-Jefferson started the year with an injury. He's been back for the last three games, but he's come off the bench with limited minutes. As long as he has this role, he's going to be a fade for me. But once he moves into the starting lineup, that first game he's in with the starting five, when he's going to be in like a low 5,000, high 4,000 range, he's going to be a really good value play. I just don't know when that time is going to come. From the Knicks side of the game, I don't know what to expect from the starting lineup, so we're going to have to check back in with this tomorrow. The Knicks totally overhauled the starters last game. They went with uh, Mitchell Robinson, Noah Vonley in the front court. They brought Ennis Kanner off the bench. They put Dotson in the starting lineup. Neil Akeen is only 3,900. If he's going to start at point guard again, that's a little bit too cheap for him. He hasn't played particularly well this year, but more opportunity for him when he's the point guard to accumulate fantasy points. So for the Knicks, it's I don't know what that starting lineup is going to be. I feel most confident the night before saying that Neil Aquina is going to be a good play, but that's something I'm going to have to update tomorrow when we get more information. Uh, next game, here's one that also I think pretty significant amount of blowout risk. The Golden State Warriors playing at the Chicago Bulls. The Warriors only favored by 11 points. That that feels a little bit too low for me also. The Bulls have just been egregious on defense. They have been awful. They're getting... Uh, lit up on the defensive end of the floor. So if we look at the Warrior side, there is the blowout risk there. I I can't fault putting any of the big four stars for Golden State into a GPP lineup, but not cash game plays for me, and not guys I want a ton of exposure to in GPP either. Because I'm, I'm personally I'm pretty convinced that game is going to be a blowout, and that's that's how I am approaching it from the Bulls side of the game. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr., who I was really high on as a prospect and I think has been a pretty good value play the last few slates, finally had that really big game. He put up 31 fantasy points against the Hawks at, tw- at 4,300, even though his games before that weren't like monster fantasy point outings. For 4,000 price tags, put up 19 fantasy points, 21-22. Those are fine games also. He's at 4,700 here, but Wendell Carter, if it's a close game he's going to be playing, if it's a blowout, we probably see him in the fourth quarter also. So I'm fine with rostering him in GPPs and cash games at 4,700. Uh, I've I've had a little bit of a tough time figuring out what the deal is with Jabari Parker with the Bulls right here. Uh, a couple games ago, with the, the first game Bobby Portis out. Right now the Bulls are dealing with injuries to Chris Dunn, Bobby Portis, and uh, Laurie Markkinen. So two games ago, we had Parker was super chalky and... I was on him at first, and they took him out of the starting lineup, so I thought he was not really all that strong of a play. And he kind of didn't really play all that much for the Bulls. And then in the fourth quarter, it was a blowout, and they had him in for a lot of garbage time. And he scored 24 fantasy points at 5,500. He was just kind of whatever as a play. And then last game against the Hawks, obviously a really favorable matchup. They left him in to play 34 minutes in a close game. So I don't really know what the deal is with Parker here. I think that at 5,800, he's worth looking at in GPPs. I just can't trust the role for him in a cash game, especially because the matchup is so difficult against the Warriors. If they move Parker into the starting lineup, then I think that he's pretty good for cash. But outside of that, 
I I don't I, I just can't trust him enough. I don't think the I don't think there's enough floor in Jabari Parker. Uh, next game, the Toronto Raptors at the Milwaukee Bucks. From the Toronto side of the game, uh, not really all that great of a matchup. Although if Giannis gets ruled out, then it becomes a slightly better matchup for Toronto. I just kind of think we have fair pricing on Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry and then all the other guys on the roster. So nobody that I really think makes for a great play. Now we get to the Milwaukee side of the game, and this is where we could really have uh, some value here because we have Giannis who, I don't know how he passed the concussion test because the story of what happened is he took an elbow, he said he blacked out and couldn't remember what happened after that. They took him out of the game for precautionary reasons. The medical staff checked him out. They said, he's all good, doesn't have a concussion, let him go back into the game. Went back in, still wasn't feeling well, they took him out, and they still said there was no concussion for him at the time. That sounds like a concussion to me, and my gut feeling is he ends up missing this game. Uh, Kind of a side story, I had one concussion when I was, I want to say like eight or nine years old, playing tennis. I was playing doubles tennis, and one of my friends was pretending to be a Power Ranger and started spinning around like a top and hit me in the face with this tennis racket. I went down, and that is the one concussion I had. I I got a concussion playing tennis, which I don't think too many people could say that happened to them. Uh, But for the Milwaukee side of the game, like I said, I don't think that Giannis ends up playing in this game. Uh, If he does, then I'm kind of off the Milwaukee side of the game. But if he's out... We have Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton at 61 and 69, 100. I think they would both make for pretty good plays. Last year we saw Giannis miss some games. Both guys got priced over 8,000. Uh, Middleton, 31% usage rating last year with Giannis off the court. Eric Bledsoe, 28% usage rating with Giannis off the court. Both of them scored 41 fantasy points per 36 minutes without him there. So there is good value to both Bledsoe and Middleton if he's out. There'd be some extra usage for Lopez. There'd be extra usage for Brogdon. Uh, I'm not sure who would start in place of Giannis. I assume that it would be Urson, who would be a good value play at 4,100. But that's something where if Giannis is ruled out, we just have to check to see who's starting in his place. Whichever cheap guy moves into the lineup would end up being a good value play in that situation. Uh, Next game is the Lakers at the Timberwolves. This is the game with the highest over-under on the slate at 238.5. And the other thing also, only a one-point spread, so it should be pretty competitive. So from the Lakers side of the game, I think kind of by default, LeBron could end up being the high-priced guy to pay up for if Giannis and Anthony Davis are ruled out. But it's a pretty good spot for LeBron anyway, considering the expected point output in this game. We have Lonzo's at 5,600. Rondo came back last game, except Lonzo held on to his starting job. He was the starting point guard. Rondo came off the bench. Played 29 minutes and generally just kind of sucked. Made a horrible decision at the end of the game. The Lakers were down three with 10 seconds left. Rondo had a wide open layup with nobody around the basket. And he just dribbled around and didn't take the layup for reasons unknown to me. Uh, But either way, important thing here is that Lonzo Ball is going to be starting a point guard in all likelihood. He's a good play at 5,600. And then something else to keep an eye on is that Brandon Ingram is back from... uh, pushing James Harden and punching Chris Paul in the face, really just brawling people and starting melee for no reason that I could tell. Uh, I don't know what his role is going to be coming back. To me, Kuzma is the better player right now. I think that Kuzma is also the better player for the future. I think that a lot of people would disagree with that because I think that there's a lot of Lakers fans in particular that are super high on Ingram, higher than I am. 
Uh, so I think that Kuzma should start, but I don't know if that's going to be the case. So another thing where we just have to see what is the Lakers starting lineup going to look like for tomorrow. But the two guys who for right now I think are in play are LeBron James and Lonzo Ball. Both of them are fine for GPPs. They're fine for cash games. From the Timberwolves side of the game, I, I've said this what feels like a million times over the last couple of weeks. Towns is going to get going eventually. I think this could be the spot. Really favorable matchup, super high over-under. He's going to be matched up against JaVale McGee, who is not going to come outside the paint to guard Towns on on the perimeter, which could leave Towns wide open to shoot some three-pointers, which he does very well for a big man. I like Towns for GPPs at 8,400. I still do not trust Tom Thibodeau enough that I could put Towns into a cash game because there are some of those games that we've seen this year where just Towns is a 15% usage rating and takes like eight shots, and it's like, what the hell happened to a cat? So I think that he is fine for GPPs. Uh, Jeff Teague at 5,300 actually like for GPPs and cash games, even though he's lost out on some minutes to Derek Rose. I just think the price is too cheap for him. And then Butler I also think is fine for GPPs and cash games. Overall, I think this is a good game to stack. You could go like Teague and Towns with uh, Lonzo and LeBron to make a mini stack, and I think that is a pretty sensible play. Uh, so two games left here. We have the Dallas Mavericks at the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, nobody I really love from the Dallas side of the game. This is a tough matchup for them in San Antonio. San, uh, well, I wouldn't say tough matchup because San Antonio has been bad on defense this year, except San Antonio still plays at a slow pace, which is able to limit uh, fantasy points a little bit. Dallas also doesn't play at a really fast pace. So I don't think we'll see a ton of scoring in this one relative to what we've seen from other games this year. And then LaMarcus Aldridge, 8,800. DeMar DeRozan, 91. I just think those guys have been priced up to a point where not enough upside for me and just not in my player pool. Uh, final game on the slate is the New Orleans Pelicans at the Denver Nuggets. And what we have here, like I said before, Anthony Davis questionable to play, sprained elbow. He was ruled out uh, like an hour or so before the Pelicans last game. I don't know where this injury came from from Davis. I didn't see it happen. It was just all of a sudden he was on the injury report and then he was ruled out. So I don't really know what to expect in terms of how serious this injury is. I don't know if it's going to limit him at all. If Davis plays, I think that he's a good GPP play, especially if people are going to be off him because they're afraid of the injury. Typically, when people hear Anthony Davis and injury, they freak out and want nothing to do with him. If Davis plays, awesome GPP play. I think that he has the highest upside of anybody on the slate and potentially lower ownership than we would expect from here. If he's out, then Drew Holiday, Nikola Mirotic, Julius Randle all become pretty solid plays. Randle was a little bit disappointing for me his last time. Well, I'll say this. He was massively disappointing for me his last time out. It was a tough matchup against the Spur, uh, the Jazz, except he was moved into the starting lineup in place of, of Davis. He produced really well per minute. He scored 18.5 fantasy points in 18.5 minutes, a point per minute. The issue was he picked up four fouls very quickly in that game and ended up being a blowout, so the starters did not touch the floor past like the midway point of the third quarter for the Pelicans. But Drew Holiday, Nikola Mirotic, Julius Randle, they would all be really strong plays if Anthony Davis is rolled out because there would be extra minutes and extra usage to go around. From the Denver side of the game, I think we could look at this. I think this is if this game... If we see Davis ruled out, this is my favorite game to stack on the slate. I still think we could stack it if Davis plays. It's just harder to fit in as many guys with Davis because of how expensive he is. But if he is ruled out, then I think this is just awesome game to stack with the Pelicans. Um, the Pelicans value 
combined with guys like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and then Jokic, I think all of those guys are in play. I think Jokic is a good like second tier guy to pay up for in terms of guy who's under ten thousand price tag for the slate. So I'm gonna have to update uh, some injury news as we get it tomorrow when I write my article. It'll go up at Basketball Monster, and then uh, yeah, just figuring out who those starters are gonna be, what lineup changes are going on. So that will wrap up Monday's podcast. You could follow me on Twitter at G Ehrenberg DFS. I hope you guys have a good slate.